Radio Mano Papachango. Chris, this is Dane in South Florida, working and uh, taking care of the animals in the midst of Hurricane Izzyaeus, if that's how you say it. Anyway, just uh, was listening to your podcast as I tromped through the rain, the wind, and whatnot, feeding the fish. And I, for the first time, uh, heard your analogy uh, of uh, of life in, in the form of a teardrop returning to the ocean, and uh, never really articulated it that way. But that pretty much sums up the way I view things as well. As I'm walking around in the midst of all these lives falling from the sky, entering, re-entering the ocean, uh, it was a bit of a moment for me. So I just wanted to call you and uh, let you know, yes, again, you have touched space uh, somewhere deep inside my brain, soul, heart, whatever. And I appreciate that. I hope you're doing well and being safe. And I'm hoping to go surfing a little later this afternoon once the hurricane goes a little further north. So making the most out of... Uh, out of, out of chaos, I suppose. Anyway, have a good one. Shout out to all the rest of the uh, uh, tangentially speaking folks out there. Be safe, be good to one another, and enjoy life as much as you can while you can. Later. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another edition of Tangentially Speaking. This is my podcast. My name's Chris. I'm your host. Uh, I'm sitting in a park in Missoula, Montana. It's a beautiful day rain last night seems like the heat broke it's been in the 90s for a couple of weeks up here in montana and um yeah storm storm front came through last night people are walking by me you can probably hear them talking uh, i think they're on their way somewhere oh shit they're sitting down right next to me god damn it all right i've moved to another table um you know there's something about microphones that just brings out the leaf blowers and the loud kids and the fucking, uh, what are those things called? That, uh, jackhammers. Yeah, all that shit happens as soon as you turn on a microphone. And it's not fair to get pissed off because people don't know. I mean, you know, how often do you see someone sitting in a park with a microphone and headphones and say, oh, that guy's recording. Let's choose another table. It it's just doesn't happen. So... Um, sorry for being kind of pissy about it, but it always happens. It's the weirdest thing. So let me talk fast before some fucking leaf blower shows up here. Uh, this episode is with Andrew. Uh, Andrew Couch is his name. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. He I met him um, because... I don't know, two years ago maybe, he reached out to me and said, hey, I'm going to be doing a van trip uh, from Alaska to the to South America, and I have a van exactly like yours, and I'm starting a podcast with my wife, and um, yeah, my my, I swear I'm not copying your life, it just sort of seems that way, <laughs> and uh uh, anyway, he drove down to Topanga. He, he was living up around San Francisco at the time. Drove down to Topanga, and 
you know, I'm kind of wary. I don't know. I, I didn't just invite him to my house because I don't want people I don't know to show up at my house. So um, I met him in a parking lot in Topanga. And within about two minutes, I knew this guy was really cool. And uh, so we went back to my place and recorded his podcast, which is what he wanted. And then I think we recorded an episode of mine as well. Um, in any case, that was a couple of years ago. Uh, he and Tiffany and their dog Pele, uh, after that, took off, went up to Alaska, turned around, came back down, stopped in L.A., uh, did some work uh, with my friend Tao, because Andrew's a carpenter and sort of one of those guys who just knows how to do everything. And um, then we, uh, let's see, he worked with Tao for a while. He worked at the Bombay Beach Biennale. And then uh, they continued down through Mexico, Central America, to Costa Rica when the shit hit the fan in terms of the coronavirus. They got back to the States, left their van in storage down there, and that's the situation uh, where we had this conversa conversation a couple of weeks ago. Andrew was living um, in Larkspur, which is just north of San Francisco, uh, doing some work for a friend up there. And um, yeah, so we recorded this podcast and uh, this conversation. And then uh, like a week later... Uh, I took off and then got a message from him that he had had a, a stroke, a minor stroke. So he's okay. Um, but uh, just to bring you up to date to what's happened between um, now and when we had this conversation, like, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. Um, yeah, he's had this medical issue. He's got, uh, the, when I guess they were investigating the stroke they found that he has a small uh, abnormality in his heart and he might need surgery for that and so it's all this carpe diem shit it's all over the place people as dane said enjoy life while you can i mean andrew's going to be fine um and he's actually kind of lucky that this happened now his wife is a a nurse and she's working, so he's covered under her insurance, so the whole thing sort of seems to be happening in the best way possible. Um, but still, it sucks. You know, you're healthy, you're feeling great, next thing you know, your vision gets blurry, you can't remember what the fuck's going on, and you're in a hospital, and holy fuck. Yeah. That's the way it works sometimes, you know? Um, but I guess it's better for that to happen in San Francisco than in, uh, you know, El Salvador or something. So uh, we're always looking on the bright side of life, as Monty Python says. Um, all right. Last time, uh, I don't know if it was the Roma or one of the episodes I released um, last week. I played a song called Moment of Surrender. Um by Nick Mulvey. I didn't realize that was a cover of a U2 song. A few people wrote to me and said, yeah, you should listen to the original. I was like, fuck, I thought that was the original. Uh, anyway, so just to give credit where credit's due, that song, Moment of Surrender, is by U2, but I really like the version that I played. So there you have it. Sometimes the cover's better than the original. 
Um, it's especially interesting when you hear the cover before you hear the original because I think there's something in the brain that happens where you sort of register it as the definitive version of the song. I'm sure that's happened many times uh, for many people with um, Hendrix version of All Along the Watchtower and then, you know, five years later you find out that there's a Dylan actually wrote it and then you listen to Dylan's version and you're like, eh, nah, I'll stick with Jimmy on that one, I think. So when I was with Andrew in Larkspur, we decided to do a little work on the van. We built this uh, shelving system and because uh, as I said, Andrew's a, a carpenter. Uh, he would deny that. He'd say, I'm no carpenter. I just work with wood and he's a very, very modest man overly modest in my opinion you know modesty is a type of vanity when you take it too far i was thinking the phrase false modesty is almost redundant in the sense that if you're self-consciously modest it's kind of inherently false because you realize that you're doing it which means you're actually i'm not saying that andrew does this but some people do where they're like, oh, no, I'm nothing. Oh, no, no, oh, I don't deserve, you know, like, shut the fuck up. That's just as obnoxious as, as being overly arrogant, you know? Like, I, I think the, the, the correct balance is like, yeah, I'm smart or I'm good at this or I'm good looking or, you know, whatever it is that you have. But encased within the acknowledgement that it doesn't fucking matter and you didn't you don't deserve any credit for it you know what i mean if you're good looking you don't get credit for that use your fucking parents and the roll of the dice some genetic weirdness and you end up you know matching the culture's version of what attractive is at the moment good for you but you know you don't get credit for that it's like when you say you know nice car and the person says thanks like what are you saying thanks for you didn't build the fucking car you didn't design it you didn't do shit you know or uh hey nice dog oh thank you really thank you did you shape that dog like wh what did you do to make that dog cool i mean if the dog's well behaved i guess you get some training credit there and if your car is modified you know if there's a cool paint job or you know you made some interesting decisions um and I'm not, I do it too. Somebody says, nice van. I'm like, thanks. Uh, thank my friend Oliver. He did all the work. Anyway, the story is I was with Andrew. We went to this lumber yard to, to get materials to build the shelving system. And I don't spend a lot of time in lumber yards. It's been a while. So maybe it's been like this for a while, for a long time. I don't know. But I was chagrined to learn that two by fours are not two by four so those of you who don't work with wood probably don't know this you th would think that a two by four is two inches by four inches well it's not a two by four is i don't know what it is one in the one and a half inches by three and a half inches something like that or one and three quarters by three and three i, I don't know but it's not two by four but it's still called a two by four. And that made me think, what the fuck is going on? When a two by four is not two by four, your culture has some issues. Your culture has accepted bullshit as the currency by which 
we live. And, and, and that's a weird way to say it. That's not the right way to say it. But what I'm trying to say is we have accepted falsity in America. And I know other countries have their idiosyncrasies, but I've lived in other countries and they don't approach the level of bullshit that we swallow in America. And I say this out of love. Sometimes people are like, dude, you're always pissing on America. Like, give it a break. Yeah, I piss on America because I love America. Because I was born here. This is my country. It's the only country I feel really comfortable pissing on. Um, you know, I was a guest in Spain. And so I have my... I noticed some weirdnesses in Spain, which, you know, I love telling Spanish people about. And they always laugh. Um, but... You know, this is my country, so I get to piss here. I get to piss on it. Um, yeah, so two-by-fours are not two-by-four. Uh, and it made me think of all the bullshit that we accept. Trident gum. Did you know that nine out of ten dentists surveyed recommend sugarless gum to their patients who chew gum? What the fuck does that even mean? Nine out of ten dentists surveyed. So what, Trident? You hired some little firm to interview a hundred dentists and say, Hey, dentist, do you recommend sugarless gum to your patients who chew gum? What dentist is going to say no? No, I recommend tobacco. I recommend they chew pine sap. Why is it even 9 out of 10? It's probably 10 out of 10. But they didn't want to say that. Because that would, that would sound too obviously false. So they slipped that 10% waiver in there to make it sound truer. Even though it's all bullshit. It's total bullshit. Fucking 9 out of 10 dentists surveyed. Oh, that's, that's nice. Or when they say, like, up to 50% off. What's that mean? It means... Under 50%. It means nothing is more than 50% off. It doesn't mean things are 50% off. It means possibly as much as 50% off. But it it's misleading. They know it is because it's up to in tiny little letters and then 50% off! Exclamation point. It's bullshit. Crab meat. Costco sells this shit. They call it crab meat. It's not crab meat. It's like scraps from some fish slaughterhouse that they sweep up off the floor and they grind it and they paste it and they 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 whiten it and then they put some orange fucking shit on the side and they chop it into little round things that make it look like crab meat it's not crab meat it had it never went anywhere near a crab Scallops. They call them scallops. They're not scallops. Most of the time when you order scallops in a restaurant, it's halibut that's been like punched into little circular things and they call it scallops. It's not scallops. How is that not illegal? Change you can believe in. Fuck that. The justice system. Really? Justice? Is that what you're doling out? Justice system? TSA security. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's real good. That's fucking security theater. Take your shoes off. Oh, yeah. I got a bomb in my shoes. Sure I do. Yeah, a lot of that going on. Heroes. There are heroes. If somebody calls you a hero, 
they probably have their hand in your pocket or they're trying to get you to do something that no one in their fucking right mind would do like run into the twin towers as they're collapsing to pull out whatever survivors you can find or bodies you can find and then you get all sorts of lung disease because you've been breathing in all this toxicity all this horrible stuff and then what do they do oh you're our heroes but does the government pay your medical bills no 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 sorry can't do that but you're a hero yeah we're the best fed generation ever we have the most leisure ever bullshit 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 it's all bullshit and that's why someone like Trump is our leader. He's the, you know, they always say people get the government they deserve. I hate to admit it, but it's kind of true. We have just swallowed so much bullshit that we don't even know what shit tastes like anymore. Because everything tastes like shit. Everything's a lie. You watch television, it's all lies. All the ads, they're all lies. What, what is advertising? In Spain, they call advertising propaganda. That's the word. They don't say advert. That, that is the word for advertising, propaganda. That's what we should call it. It's propaganda. There's no truth there. If there is truth, it's accidental. The point is not to inform. The point is to manipulate. The point is to get you to do what they want you to do. And if they have to create fear in you, they do it. If they have to create self-hate in you, they do it. They invent diseases, halitosis. Oh, do you suffer from halitosis? Bad breath. Oh, then you need this. You need this to freshen your breath. Is your cunt stink? Well, you need our douche. Your balls stink. You need these ball wipes. Because you're horrible. You're disgusting. It's the same thing Christianity does. Make you feel like you were born with sin. They tell you that, literally. You were born with sin. Jesus died for your sins. I didn't ask Jesus to die for my fucking sins. That was 2,000 years before I got. I was even born. I didn't have a chance to sin for two millennia. How did he die for my sins? Christ. Literally, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting wound up. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Two by fours are not two by four, and all the other problems stem from that. From that. So, one thing I, want, I did want to say, if any of you out there listening to this, and I know this is very unlikely... But if any of you are actual Trump supporters and you listen to me anyway, first of all, kudos to you uh, for, you know, not just turning my voice off because of how much I rail against him and his kind. But um, drop me a line if you have it, if you think that there's actually an intelligent rational case to be made for supporting Donald Trump at this point. Because I'm in, I'm in Montana. There are Trump signs everywhere. There are all these dudes driving around with, like, Trump flags mounted to their pickup trucks. Like, it's insane. And, and I, I would love to walk up to one of these people and have a conversation because I'd love to know what they're thinking. 
how on earth can you support this man at this point? He is so clearly incompetent, uncaring, pathologically narcissistic. He does not give a fuck, especially about these people out in Montana on their ranches. And this guy's a New York City con man. He wouldn't know a fucking ranch if it bit him on the ass. So I don't know how anyone supports him, but people do. And, uh, you know, I imagine it's just like, well, he tells it like it is and he, he makes the, you know, the libtards suffer and they hate him, so I love him. I mean, if that's all you got, don't bother. But if there's a deeper argument to be made than just, you know, more of the same is I'd rather have anything than more of the same. Um, let me know. Because I understand that argument and and I respect it in a way. I mean, fucking Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden could find his way out of a dark closet at this point. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I worry, man. I, I see these, I see Biden, you know, doing his, he had this interview the other day with a black dude on CNN or something. And he was all like, come on, man. Come on, dude. Can't like, Joe, don't try to be cool. Like he asked the guy if he'd had a cocaine test or something. It was just like, oh, come on. This is what we got. We got, you know, two old, angry white men fucking incoherent demented I mean I think Biden's less evil than Trump but just barely so whoever he picks as his VP is you know gonna be president I don't think Biden's gonna live four more years honestly um I've said that before and I, I feel kind of bad saying it I mean you don't want to predict someone's imminent demise but I guess you get to say things like that about presidential candidates without I don't think Joe Biden listens to this podcast honestly if he does stop that hey man shit Joe you're not cool uh, neither am I I admit it but I'm not running for president uh, what else did I want to say before I uh, I have little notes here I talked about the miracle of binoculars last time yeah all right. Well, anyway, that's enough of my rambling. This is uh, Andrew. He's fantastic. And I guess since I talked about Jesus, let me play a song called I Got So High, I Saw Jesus. Now, this, too, is a cover. Uh, I guess, let's see. Noah Cyrus wrote it. Um, but the guy who's singing it is uh, Warren Delaney. And you can hear more of his stuff at soundcloud.com forward slash Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N, Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. I like this version a lot. And, uh, yeah, it's heartfelt. It's, I mean, it sounds like it's a goofy song, but it's actually got some, uh, some heart to it. And I really like the way Warren sings it. So, hope you enjoy this. I Got So High, I Saw Jesus, by, sung by Warren Delaney. And uh, check out the Monkey Tooth podcast. That's Andrew's podcast, uh, which he sometimes records with Tiffany, um, generally on his own and, and with other people. Um, he talks in recent episodes about um, his experience, you know, with the, uh, the, the health situation 
and also um, their plans going forward because the van is still in Costa Rica and uh, the world has sort of spun out on them uh, halfway through their trip. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again soon. Hope you're doing well out there. I got so high that I saw Jesus He said it's all gonna be okay You just need me in your heart Tennessee whiskey and love I got so high that I saw Jesus Yeah, they talk about the rivers running dry How pretty soon there won't be any water left To turn to wine Like a drunkard at the wedding Blindly raising Armageddon So I'm getting high I got so high that I saw Jesus he said that it's all gonna be okay You just need me in your heart Tennessee whiskey and love I got so high that I saw Jesus Well, Joseph lost his job to a machine Mary lost her mind to lines of code that you can't see And if the angels are the AI Gonna burn this whole thing down Gonna burn one down right now I got so high that I saw Jesus He said that it's all gonna be okay You just need me in your heart Tennessee whiskey and love I got so high that I saw Jesus Sometimes it hurts too much to look Like Moses said in the burning bush I tried to turn away but I couldn't see said fathers don't forsake his sons there's so much kingdom left to come just let it feel your lungs before you leave i got so high that i saw jesus he said that it's all gonna be just need me in your heart Tennessee whiskey and love I got so high that I saw Jesus I got so high that I saw Jesus I got so high that I saw Jesus All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am in beautiful Larkspur, California, with a man named Andrew Couch, who looks like um, the son of uh, the guys from ZZ Top. <laughs> like, if, if the two dudes from ZZ Top 
were gay and one of them somehow were able to get pregnant. That's that's nicer than what I would have said. Is it? Yeah. What, what would you have said? I'm. What would happen if Bluto and olive oil had <laughs> fucked? Uh, I'll bet they instead did. of Popeye. You know, yeah. I, I referred to it like as Popeye having like a spinach allergy, <laughs> and it, that like just turned off olive oil entirely. And Bluto. I wonder what percentage of the people listening to this know who Bluto and olive oil are or were. Were. were that's yeah, aging us. Right? Are they? Or were they? That's interesting because they don't necessarily they're, they're, get. They're timeless. They're right? timeless. Yeah. yeah, they're cartoon characters. <laughs> for those of you who yeah. don't know, they're indefinitely prolonged. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Popeye, if the creation of Popeye was in any way financed by the spinach industry. <laughs> I mean, what a weird industry that would be to just you know like we need some propaganda here. Right. Let's and, talk to my friend Walt. Yeah. I know this guy Walt who uh, I went to college with. Yeah. Let's get him a violent sailor. Yeah. We really want <laughs> Yeah. So so that was one of those uh, World War II yeah. things. You're, what, uh, 41, you said? 41, So yeah. you're like 18 years younger than me. Or 16 years younger than me. I'm 40. I'm 58. 17. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, we, we did some math yesterday that didn't work out real well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Andrew and I built a cabinet for the van yesterday. And, uh, yeah, we, somewhere in our, between our calculations and our, our cutting, uh, about an yeah. inch and a half disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. That, that sounds, it's, it's a, a nice way day. to put it. Yeah. An inch and a half disappeared. That's, that's what I would like to explain to the foreman of the job. Yeah. Just fuck man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't vanished. know where it went. It just up and vanished. Um, anyway, uh, what are we talking about? Cartoons, World War Two. Yeah, I. It's a strange thing because you know, as a kid, I was born in '62, um, so that's a good 15 years after the war ended, at least. Um, but there were still obviously a lot of cultural reverberations around, mm -hmm. right? And like kind of things that were commentaries on World War Two. Um, and so I heard those commentaries well before I knew what they were commenting on. Yeah, you know, yeah. like there were. Polak jokes was a thing when I was a kid. Um, did you have those? Oh, I'm part Polish, so yeah. That's still a thing. It's still a thing. Or was you know 40 years ago. I I uh, you know I didn't understand why Polish people were supposedly dumb. Well, but that's the conceit of these jokes. Like Polaks are so dumb. Right. That blah blah blah. And I lived in Pennsylvania, where there was a lot. There were a lot of Polish people. Sure. Um, but I think it was because Poland got rolled so quickly by yeah. the Nazis, uh, and they attacked the the Panzer tanks on horseback. Right. You know. Right. And so for the American GIs in Europe, that was like an example of really bad military planning and leadership. And, and so, so they're ostensibly dumb forever. Right. For and the French are cowards and <laughs> smell bad. Rapey, like Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Another holdover. Pepe Le Pew was a cartoon that could never be made now. Speedy Gonzalez. Pepe Le Pew. Ay, yay, yay, yay. All that shit. And yeah. what was... So the Bugs, Bugs Bunny, yeah. what was he... He, it's Bugs? just like the classic American New Yorker yeah, happened to live in the woods. A little neurotic, a <laughs> uh, little OCD, and but, but the, with a wry sense of humor. Very wry. And that carrot. Yeah. yeah little, what's up, yeah, Doc? Yeah. Mm. And then, what, there's a pig? 
I get what Porky Pig, Porky Pig, and then Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd was the like hunter, the hapless hunter who could never shoot. Yeah, uh, yeah, he could just fuck up. And um, Daffy the, the duck. Daffy Duck and the and, Tasmanian Devil was a weird one. Yeah, and it was all Mel Blanc. Yeah, like, he did all the voices. Yeah, voicing all that stuff, which was so incredible to me. I mean, just like he could make fun of a character in another character's voice. Right. You know, like one, you know, saying... Like having a conversation. Having a conversation, but like have like Daffy Duck pretend to be Bugs Bunny. Oh, right. Like right. how fucked weird is that sort of thing? Uh, I, who's the guy from The Simpsons who got in trouble for doing a poo? What's his name? Oh, yeah. Great voice actor, yeah, really yeah, funny yeah, actor. Yeah. I heard him talking about that and it gave me a new appreciation for how intense and bright Mel Blanc was. Yeah. It reminds me talking about accents and like that accent embedded within an which is it's not an accent it's a voice character voice yeah. but I was watching uh, a film called um, Sophie's Choice mm-hmm. you seen that Glenn Close or something like that oh uh, no it's uh, Meryl Streep Meryl Streep yeah. and Kevin Klein it's an amazing oh, yeah. film yeah. really really uh, heartbreaking and just incredibly powerful acting uh kevin klein plays a guy uh with uh he's bipolar Mm -hmm. so in part of it he's just like this manic charismatic amazingly friendly welcoming wonderful guy and then the next scene he's like deeply morose and dark and just wants to fucking kill everyone and it's like wow acting tour de force you know yeah but um i was watching that film one time with my buddy mike who was raised by uh his parents were World War II refugees. His father was from Poland. His mother was from Ukraine. And mm. her mother lived with them And so, like, in Connecticut. So he spoke English like you or me. But he, um, at home, spoke Polish with his dad, Ukrainian with his mother, Russian with his grandmother, and German at the dinner table because it was the only language mom, grandma, and dad all spoke. Whoa. Wow. Right? So he grew up with this, like, five or six languages going on all the time. Wow. And uh, so we're watching that movie, and there's Meryl Streep plays uh, a Polish woman who gets... But she's from the border area, which was Poland before the war, and after the war was Ukraine. Yeah. You know, the Soviets took it. Um, and she was working for the Germans in a POW camp. So she's speaking German. So, and in the film, she speaks in German in their subtitles. And she said something in German and my buddy Mike leaned over and he said, she's speaking German with the regional accent of the part of Poland that she, her character supposedly was born in. Like Whoa. that's how deeply she studied Shit. for that role. And it was like, and he said that to me and I'm thinking like how many people in the world who see this film would, Ever. would even be able to recognize yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a level of, of dedication so far beyond what's necessary, right. you know, and uh, juxtaposed with now where you can make a movie where people are from outer space. And if you want to make them evil, they just have British accents. <laughs> like, why the fuck would they have a British accent yeah. or a Southern guy who's out in space? Like, yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah. Although the British accents also make them sound smart, smart and evil. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
anyway, so so World War Two, all this stuff, all these reverberations of World War Two, the pull. I mean, the first joke I ever heard that that I can remember was, "How did Germany invade Poland?" You say, I, said, well, I, don't how? I don't know. They marched in backwards and said they were leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, it's a joke about a horrible thing, but I had no idea oh, that the horrible, God. I had no idea what it was referring to. I just thought it was so funny that yeah, someone yeah. would go backwards and say they're leaving and someone else <laughs> would fall for it. Tragedy plus time yeah. equals a great joke. Yeah. Dumbass Pollocks. Yeah. I can say that because you're purple, and I'm total 100% dumbass. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got double agency over that. That's right. Phrase. Yeah. Uh, have I introduced you? I feel like it. Did yeah. you say Andrew? Uh, Andrew Couch. <laughs> Couch. Uh, Andrew Couch, who has yeah. been on the podcast before. So uh, if you're not sick of him by the end of this, you can go into the archives. And it was what two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, man. It's been almost. Yeah, it's two years, a little over two years. So you, you, how did we meet? You knew about my podcast? Yeah, I listened to your podcast and stole everything that I could from you online. Yeah, you've, uh, you've modeled your life after basically me. Basically that. Except for the beard. Except for the beard, and it's just me and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, we, uh, we have the big red van. Uh, I sent you... The same van. Same van. Yeah. Same van. Um, we started corresponding, like, about, uh, you were going to New Orleans, and uh, you still oh, live you were there. Giving me some advice, right, right? Right, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about like, you know, hey, I've got this podcast, and then you knew my first guest. You know, our first guest, Char- oh, Charis. Charis, yeah, yeah, we like had a mutual so friend. I had no idea. Bizarre, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of random. And I, I, you know, I, I sent you the podcast <laughs> with an apology. I think I actually said this the last time, but I said, you know, hey, listen, where I'm ripping you off, really, um, obviously. It's honestly kind of a mistake, but if you notice something subtle, I did that shit on purpose. And uh, it's like, so if you don't, you know, if you're interested, check out our first guest. It's a guy named Charis Ford. He's a really interesting, funny guy. And you're like, I know Charis. Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. You know? It's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Charis was the guy, and I guess I probably said this too, but Charis was the guy who was responsible for uh, my meeting with. Um, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah, yeah. right. Yeah. Who was the first person who ever asked me to sign a copy of Sex at Dawn. How cool. Yeah. How totally cool. crazy. Um, yeah, Charis has also been on this podcast, so you can go into the archives. Yeah. <laughs> Dig deep. <laughs> Dig deep. You know, I interviewed Charis first, and then I, I visited him in Colorado and uh, interviewed he and his wife and his children. Mm. He's got two really cool boys. They're just super, super smart. Yeah. And they were like, you know, they were way into being on the podcast, and they right. I mean, just God made me feel like I really missed a lot of shit as a kid. <laughs> like I missed out on some pretty great experiences uh, that yeah. his kids are most definitely not missing out on. Yeah, survival skills. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, they live out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, and yeah. and and he he's such a cool guy. He mm-hmm. did he rap on your podcast? No, oh no, yeah, of course, yeah, he did, he did. <laughs> Uh, he did several that were really, really funny. And, uh, God, there was one about like eating bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fucking and, love and mushrooms. Yeah. And, you know, like he's, he's in a sort of a, what would we say? An environmental activist mm-hmm. slash rapper slash 
eccentric uh, genius guy. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, so full of energy too. He's got like a genius charm. You know yeah. how some people are genius at like little mathematics or engineering. Right. His genius is in listening and responding in this charming way that gives you back whatever you've said plus insight and yeah, yeah he's a he's a great guy man i really like Charis. yeah shout out to charis hey charis um and then uh, so you in the you drove down to topanga when i was living there in yeah. your red dodge 2006 sprinter van yeah uh yeah, and we—I remember we met in a parking lot because I—I I don't ever invite people I don't know directly to yeah. my house because you know it can get weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, within ten minutes, I—I uh, I invited you back to the house and drugged you and raped you. Yeah, anally. yeah, it was, one it was of the, fine. You know, better anal probings I've had, honestly. <laughs> so why do you think it, UFOs? There's always some. Always seems to be a lot of anal probing. You know, it's I—I I thought about this exact thing. It's like why. Why that? You know, why would <laughs> of yeah. all the yeah. orifices all that we have you could do. <laughs> to explore on a on a person, I think it's such like a shameful thing to say that has uh, happened to you that right. it lends like an air of credibility right. to your I story. Say this if it weren't true. Yeah, like I, you know, I'm not going to tell you all the other shit that I'm up to, but boy, this happened to me, and right, you know, you can <laughs> believe me because it's embarrassing to admit. Yeah, and you cannot blame me because they were aliens and I had no choice. Yeah, but there's also. Uh, these aliens, you know, they're these these mysterious cattle murders. You know, they find these right. cattle, and often the anus is removed, surgically no removed. Whoa! Like some kind of laser anal. Yeah, there's just ass play in space. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a what's that, the 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 cartoon Mork? Not Mork. Uh, Mork and Mindy or Rick and Morty? Rick and Morty, yeah. 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 I was saying Mork and Mindy. It's <laughs> like, no, it's not. Yeah, if, if we're referencing and Popeye and Mork and Mindy, the, the whole yeah, chunk of the audience exactly. is They're all asleep. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so since we did that podcast, you were just about to leave on this epic van yeah. trip. You and your wife, yeah. Tiffany, and Pele the dog. Pele the dog. The most well-traveled mutt on earth. Yeah, so we, I, I left your house... Um, and actually, my van broke down on the way to back to my house. Oh, um, not a good sign. Not a great sign. And I had surgery the next day, so I got. Um, I was able to uh, no double double anal, like <laughs> deep in the butt. No, I had knee surgery uh, the next day, and um, yeah, we. I was able to limp home. Have you experienced that in your van? Yeah. There's this thing called limp mode home. Which, no, yeah, really? If your van's fucked up and in order to not tragically, irreversibly fuck itself up, it's meant to go into this limp mode where it will like you max out at 30 miles an hour. And I was on the 101 about an hour from where I live. So is this like if the, the turbo dies or? Yeah, I blew And it was simple, mercifully. But at the time, I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know? The uh, the turbo blew off, uh, blew a hose, and it was just not getting air. But you know, you can't know that while you're driving. And so, anyhow, I, the truck go, the van goes into the shop, and I go into the shop at the same time. And right. it's like this bizarre. It's like we're supposed to leave in a week. You know, yeah. we had this whole thing planned. I was so excited and done all this work. So I had this weird knee surgery, which went fine. And then it turns out the van was totally fine. Hmm. And I was, and I was very grateful for both of them to fail at the, you know, the timing. Right. Was, could not have been better, you know. Your surgery was scheduled, though, right? It, it had been scheduled, yeah. but only like a few weeks before that. Oh, okay. I tore my meniscus um, running down that hill right there. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, it um, it all worked out. It was kind of one of those things that just it just had to happen, and mercifully, it happened when it did. Sure. It, hap- it happened. The surgery happened two days before our insurance ran out. Right, because you had both quit your jobs. Yeah, we were both on this trip. Yeah, yeah. So it it, uh, it was one of those things that just if you know if just a few little changes had been made in the timing or whatever, it just things wouldn't have worked out. But right. uh, yeah, it ended up working great. And so we drove from uh, Sebastopol all up through you know the the West Coast and uh, California, Oregon, Washington, you know Vancouver, up into uh, British Columbia, all over Canada. And into Alaska, basically went everywhere in Alaska you can drive except for, you know, the the very very top. We didn't take the highway all the way up to the right. Arctic Circle. Right. Um, and Which is it's dirt, right? That, it's a that shitty road? dirt yeah. dirt road. So, and I just I, I don't. To Prudhoe Bay or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care no. about you know, but what happened? Um, thanks, one hundred percent to your having us on the podcast oh, it's about time we got back to me yeah Andrew. well it changed our whole deal like the whole trajectory of our because we i think we talked about this I had just a very loose like we're going alaska to argentina <laughs> right in between how we connect those dots we'll just figure it out as we go and it was figured out in a large part for us by people who responded to having listened to the podcast we're like hey man i live in and we met these incredible guys in oregon who have a beautiful pot farm oh right we stayed with them for a long time um you know, we just met person after person uh, because of of your podcast, and then it it gave our podcast a little bit more like credibility. We could ask people who uh, credibility is a stretch. Let me, yeah, it, it you're gave, not getting credibility from me, man. Yeah, it but it it gave people you know that would otherwise maybe not spend time with us. Like, yeah, I'll, that's worth my time. It's legit, yeah. And it created this whole new context for us to reach out to people that we otherwise wouldn't. Um, and we met some fascinating, and we continue to meet fascinating people all the way. So yeah, it's we, called the Monkey Tooth Podcast. Monkey Tooth. No yeah. one really knows why, or at least I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's do you know why? Uh, I do. What is it? It's um, well, I think I might have actually told you. That. And you have <laughs> so. a weird ass email too. You don't need to say it online, but yeah. I, it's not like Andrew Couch at anything. It's it's, yeah, it's is it alias. Monkey Tooth or it's some weird no, somebody's an, uncle or some shit? It's an alias that I used uh, uh, in years past, but uh, it's no longer functional as an alias because now my nephews and nieces have a, co-opted that same last name. Mm. It's a fake last name that doesn't exist. Okay, but um, but yeah, so the the podcast is like. It, it sort of morphed our journey, and we've met. You know, we've actually had some of the same guests, like Ricardo and oh, Ricardo, Ricardo Serpo. No, I, he came to me through you. Yeah, yeah. What an amazing dude! Incredible guy. We met him in Chicken, Alaska. I just, uh, I just, I actually saw him in Toke that morning. Uh, he, we were both at the same breakfast place. I was like, look at this guy, man, driving this motorbike. Yeah. And then when I saw him in in Chicken, I looked at his bike closer, and it said he had Brazil stickers on it. Right. And it was from Florida. The, the license plate was Florida. Right. I was like, man, who is this guy? And then I heard this like resonant yeah. voice just booming, you know, like not booming, like rolling out of this, you know, little shack. So I go and start talking to him. And, uh, you know, without the podcast as a as a reference point, I would have yeah. just, you know, maybe chatted him up for a moment. Right. And then we would have parted ways. That's the beauty of it. It gives you a reason to get to know people. Yes. And, and gives them a reason to get Say to be yes. known. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's no, fucking wonderful. And he's a friend for life. Yeah. And we've had many of those, these people that you meet, and you just, you know, you 
you express an interest in them, they are vulnerable, they tell you their story, and boom, you know, you've got this friend that you just, I don't know, it's a, it's a really, really cool thing that um, we just, we didn't know what to expect of doing a podcast when you and I met, I'd only done like nine episodes with people I already knew, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to make sure I knew how to work the equipment mm-hmm. and, you know, could formulate sentences without sounding like an asshole or more of an asshole. And, uh, yeah, since then it's developed in this whole other thing that, um, uh, what a gift, you know, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so you, you guys went, this was two summers ago, 2018. Yeah. yeah. We, um, so yeah, we went up North all the way to Alaska, drove around Alaska for about a month and a half. And then where's your favorite part down. of Alaska? Man, I don't know. Homer was pretty great. But Homer's the spit, right? Yeah, yeah. it's got the spit. And yeah. uh, I met, uh, we just met some really cool people there. I think f- for me, uh, you know, these locations and the beauty and the things are are weirdly secondary yeah. to the personal experiences. Right. Because um, I'm content to be awed and beauty by where we are in this moment, you know. Uh, it's like women. Nate, w- I'll get myself in trouble here. What the fuck? No, but like a female beauty to me is very much like landscape hmm. or weather, or, you know, sunset. There's or, something to appreciate in everything. It's just, yeah. Like, first of all, almost every woman has beautiful qualities in mm-hmm. almost every part of the world. Jungle, desert, shoreline, right. mountains, you know, whatever. There's beauty there. Yeah. Um, but the beauty is secondary to the human experience yeah yeah no that makes sense i think i can i think i can sign on with that without feeling like i'm getting in trouble (laughs) (laughs) i haven't thought about it more than just this very moment i I, I posted a a photo on instagram a couple of weeks ago we were rafting i was rafting in colorado with some friends and uh a couple of women who were with us on the raft were bending over like arranging things in the raft and they were wearing bikinis and their butts are there and i took this picture and yeah. i posted it and all, i got all this fucking grief from people like you know oh, i expected so much better from you and uh you know you, this is so adolescent and juvenile and how dare you objectify these women oh. and it's like uh, first of all, do you know who I am? <laughs> Don't expect that much of me. <laughs> exactly. Start there. <laughs> I am not a respectable person, and 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 secondly, it's like these are beautiful women, and they have beautiful bodies. And how is my recognition of this? And and by the way, the women were like, "Go ahead and post it." Of course, they're laughing. So I asked right. their permission yeah. before I publicly posted sure, this sure. photo, and. They're having a good time. They love their bodies. I right. love their bodies. Yeah. Why am I supposed to be feeling shame and and uh, like I I don't all the scolding and all sure. the like oh we're not allowed to enjoy this particular kind of beauty in this particular kind of way. Fuck y'all. That's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> well, it's I think it's that that concept of painting with too broad a brush. Because certainly you could see something like that that is, whatever, objectifying or you taking know. a picture of a stranger on a street, you know, with yeah. a mirror on your shoes so you can see up her skirt, some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, There's, of course. It's not that objectifying doesn't exist, but it doesn't always exist. It doesn't have to be the context of a yeah a photo of ass. Well, and also, what does objectifying really mean? Right. Because I hate to say it, but our bodies are objects. objects. They yeah, are physical yeah. objects that exist in the world. And when you recognize 
that we inhabit these physical objects, right. that is not necessarily any kind of a diminution. And what would it, what would be the uh, the counterpart to that? So instead of just putting like pictures of butts, you have to be like, well, this ass cheek belongs to a woman who's you know got a BA in <laughs> English. You know, like, do you need a full like? Like a penthouse, or what are those? A Playboy centerfold where oh, you get right. like <laughs> you fold it out, fold it out. Like okay, you got her interests are modeling and yeah. puppy dogs. People do people read what you write on Instagram? Like if you do a description of what it is, are people reading that? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Some might, but I, I don't think it really yeah. matters. I mean, you take a picture of a mountain. Are you objectifying the mountain? I yeah, mean, it's a fucking mountain. I see a lot of pictures of food right. online. Right, <laughs> like what? <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess, yeah, you're objectifying the very nourishment that is a future turd. Yeah. You know. So we, okay, Sorry, we've jumped from a future turd. <laughs> Enjoy your meal, folks. <laughs> it's all future turds. Sorry. Yeah, you should write menu copy. That'd yeah. be really good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, where were we? So we went from World War II. I don't think we really finished that concept, but that's okay. It's fine. And then we went to um, cartoons. Yeah. And now we're in Alaska, and then we jumped over to landscape being like women's Favorite bodies, place, and yes, now we're getting that. in trouble for objectifying women. Yeah, which I have no interest in objectifying outside of the fact that, of course, we are all objects, Yeah, and we're future dead people, and our food is future poop. Yeah. And my favorite place in Alaska had probably little or less to do with um, the landscape. Than it did with the people we met. Or in the anal probing. And the probing, of course. Uh, I met one of, uh, a fan of yours in Alaska. Was it Native of the North? I also met Native of the North. Oh, uh, he lives near Fa Fairbanks. Right. Who's, he's great, man. I love that guy. But uh, Tom. Tom that you met in uh, in Utah. He has this place. In, oh, Tom, uh, the, the FedEx driver. Yes, yes. Thomas, sweet Tom. He's, he's so cool. That's he's right. He has a place cool. up there. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we ended up catching up with him. Um, and, you know, went to his property, which is amazing. He calls it buoy land, and he has these crazy buoys that he's collected from all over the place. Ah, that have just washed up on shores? Yeah, they? and it's really fascinating. I, I don't know if he wants me to talk about his hobbies, but he... Um, the Katina dolls? Yeah, the, the Katina dolls, Katina, um, yeah. which he's, you know... Super uh, into. Very into and very knowledgeable about, and, like, has this very... Um, infectious enthusiasm for the craft of it, you yeah. know, and all this stuff. Uh, anyhow, he he would dress up in this he, as buoy man, and he looked like a kachina. Right. But it was made of buoys, like all these crazy, weird things hanging off of him, and he looked like this Alaskan totem of of whatever you know, buoyness or flotation. Yeah. Anyway, we, we hooked up with him and had a great time. Um, but we met because of Pele's weird ass. We met these people on a beach. We were just out for a walk in Homer, and uh, he's stopped and there's this you know they had this really cute pretty nice looking dog <laughs> unlike and it, Pele <laughs> and it looked like like a homeless dude in some dun dungarees <laughs> like approaching a lady in an evening dress right, you know right. and they got along and uh, and the, the lady and the guy that were walking were super cool yeah. and they invited us to their home they like, come have dinner with us tonight because they found out what we were doing That's and they were cool. fascinating the one guy worked for the state department uh, this, uh, the lady and it ended up being her husband were like, I mean, she was an artist who made all these incredible sculptures for natural history museums. Like, mm. I mean, just, they were great. Mm. And, you know, it's one of those things that just lifts you up and you're yeah. just inspired and yeah. having fun. And then 
of course, when you go on hikes and you're like in grizzly country and there's right. glaciers everywhere, yeah. fucking mountains. Yeah. yeah, it was special, man. So, yeah, we did the whole Alaska thing. And you think you'll ever go back to Alaska? You know, I uh, I loved it. I really had a good time. I would love to see it in the winter. Mm. I'd love to go visit Nate if he still lives there in, in the next winter that I can get up there. Um, but what I didn't really consider was how awesome it would be to get there. Hmm. The the that point that huge swath of Canada in between right. us and ourselves and, and Alaska is incredible. I mean, you went up there, you went to Jasper and all that sort yeah. of stuff. We we missed a lot of that because of the fires. Yeah. It was covered in smoke. We couldn't even right. see Lake Louise and Jasper. Yeah, right, right. But um, Canada is amazing. Yeah, I mean, it is just breathtakingly beautiful. You know, the bathrooms are clean. You know, it's it's pretty laid back. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to go back to Alaska. I'd like to go fish. We didn't really do any fishing. Um, you know, there's definitely some stuff I would like to see. Um, and we didn't go to any of the islands. It's very mm. expensive to put your car on a ferry and oh, go to, to like... Oh, the car, yeah. Like, we wanted to go to Juneau. I'd really like to see the Unalaska Islands. Right. So, yeah, I think I'll go back. Yeah. You know, but it's it's one of those things that's backburnered at this point. Sure. Because, you know, there are other things that we want to see. You're heading know, south. So we're still heading south, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would really like to go back to Alaska. It's there are a lot of places I've been where I'm kind of like, okay, not I don't need to go there sure. again. But Alaska, I I remember a feeling there, and I'd be interested to know if I would still feel it. Yeah, um, and that would be uh, dependent both on the place and on me. What's what's that feeling? The best way I can describe it is that I felt like um like the earth has a vibration and the more weight that is put on the earth the more that vibration is dampened down mm. so in a place like where we are now in the san francisco bay area where there's concrete everywhere and highways and buildings and the vibration is imperceptible yeah but in alaska i felt like the ground beneath my feet was just vibrating with energy mm. there was just this this and and maybe it was just conceptual maybe it was because of you know i was in kenai and i remember looking across cook inlet at those mm. volcanic mountains across there and thinking like okay in that direction you'd have to go like i don't know three thousand miles or something before you'd have to go you know, you go across Alaska, you go across the Bering Strait, you go into uh, Siberia, mm -hmm. and you'd keep going and going and going until you got to, like, fucking, I don't know. Some town. Some some city, right. you know, on the other side of the, the what are they, the Cauc Caucasus? The, the, yeah. You know, in, in Western Russia. Right. I mean, that's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles before you would come to another major uh, metropolis. Yeah. That's amazing. amazing. Like you're right on the edge. And and when you do those hikes that you're talking about and you're in grizzly country, it's like you're in their world. Yes. It's not like you see a coyote running down the street here and you're like, oh, look at that like little speck of wildness in my world. Yeah. No, no, you're the speck of weirdness yeah. in their world. It's such a different feeling. I can appreciate that. And that, that vibration and that wildness. Yeah, there are some literal weird vibrations in Alaska. A um, lot of volcanic and earthquake. Volcanic yeah. and uh, the shift in the temperature 
Yeah. There, uh, the permafrost is starting to melt, and there's this just ancient shit in the muck that is just, I mean, bubbling and starting to, you know, no longer be what it was. It's joining the atmosphere. This weird shit happening. We stayed, uh, we stayed outside of um, uh, Denali, um, in this weird, like you could camp for free, like BLM land, kind of north of it, and we could see the mountain. It's yeah. fucking incredible. But there's all this weird equipment around, you know, stuck in the ground. They look like microphones and you know mm. sonic equipment and all this shit that was laid out. And <laughs> it scared the hell out of Pele. He got too close to it, and it like beeped, I guess, to keep animals from fucking with it. Uh. But it was measuring changes in the the ground and in the permafrost mm. that uh, were happening because the shit was melting. And there was, I mean, an actual like palpable. You could feel, you know, things happening in the ground, which was bizarre. And then the locals are like, well, well that's aliens. <laughs> oh. They're coming for your butthole. You've got to be careful. You know? But, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, um, no, it's the end of the fucking world is what that is. It's the rumblings of, of disaster. Because when that permafrost melts. You're fucked, man. It's, fu- it's all that methane in there. It just blasts up. Yeah. And not even talking about the permafrost at the bottom of the ocean mm. that's melting. And you know the bubbling of methane up from the bottom of the Arctic Sea is that's already unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. Are we the the toad in the frying pan on the butter spat that's trying to leap out? You know, what, what is this thing boiling over? What are we yeah. doing? Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It's a strange thing, right? To like, how do you? I think you and I answer this question in roughly the same way, but the the question that faces everyone alive today is how do you live a meaningful, enjoyable life on a sinking ship? Yeah. You know, it's tragic, but we all have to live our lives and it's almost like there's more of a responsibility to find as much meaning and beauty as you possibly can because it's it's like it's like you know you're snorkeling or scuba diving on a coral reef that's going to be gone in 10 years yeah well i mean it's you i feel like you've talked about this we are a series of systems like everything is a system the planet itself the creatures on it the cells that live within those creatures yeah everything is on this cycle of birth you know life death decay birth life death decay everything's doing that and we're just seeing the planet on its cycle whatever that is i mean that it's it can't last forever there i don't know what forever is and occasionally things die of natural causes whatever that really means and occasionally things are killed on accident on purpose whatever it is so are we a natural part of this planet that's killing it? Is that part of the plan? You know, yeah, I think about are, that all the Did time. we accidentally do this? I, I just recently accidentally poisoned a pond of koi fish. Right. Uh, killed four beautiful fish that had been in there forever by just putting too much water in it, too much city water, and chlorine choked them to death. And I felt this fucking terrible, terrible guilt. That, you know, uh, But I, I kind of saw our existence play out in that. And that you're just this unsuspecting thing to which unseen forces are kind of, you know, maybe casually, maybe viciously, maybe intentionally playing with your life, you know. And that's 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 sort of what we're in. We're in this planet that is, has to die. Does it? 
I would, I would imagine so. The whole I mean, fucking planet? But, I mean, what does that mean? Like, when you die, right? When you and yeah. I die, whether yeah. we're cremated or we're buried, yeah. you know, our, our, our physical stuff is going to go elsewhere and do something else. And energetically, whatever it is that you are has something else to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that, uh, and I agree with you in, in that sort of transformational cycle, but when you look at a planet like Mars mm -hmm. that at one time had an atmosphere, had rainfall, had yeah. flowing rivers, yeah, and who knows what kind of life, if any, but it, it appears they seem to be finding... Uh, it's trending that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the atmosphere is lost, it's over. It's not like it's, it's not cycling around. It's, right. I mean, maybe in hundreds of billions of years, it'll have another atmosphere. Yeah, we're and I'm looking at it in a small frame. But it's also the object, an enormous object of our fascination. What is? Mars. You know, it's this seemingly dead planet that we can't get enough of. Like Elon Musk is shooting cars at it. Like we're trying to, you know, we're, we're obsessed with the idea of getting to it and finding out what the history of it was and what, you know, uh, what it means for the future of our own planet or what could we terraform it could we change that planet into something else like if it's you know it's a dead quote unquote dead planet but if it's the object of the fascination of the living planet in this solar system that's got to be that's like another life you know it's, it's this whole other thing it's got a I don't know like a mental aspect to it or like a uh, it lives again in this other way hmm. you know that who knows how often that's happening in our own solar system or in the galaxy or in the universe, how often like, a, you know, another culture views a dead planet and that becomes, you know, object of fascination or any, you know, any number of things, maybe that's, they've been colonized or repopulated. Um, so I don't know how dead it really can be or how alive it ever is, you know, cause it's all part of like this weird system of, you know, birth, life, death, decay, and rebirth, all that sort of thing. Maybe. Or, yeah. or, um, as a young man, I did entirely too much, uh, smoking of the reefer, and now I'm talking <laughs> out my ass about things which I know nothing. Well, no, nobody knows anything about it, so right, we're all right. talking out our ass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I try to, uh, I don't know, it's a funny thing, right? It, it's like, um, uh, you can look at at beliefs in terms of their utility mm -hmm. and there are certainly some beliefs that are comforting and make it easier to live and you know get to sleep at night like most things that we believe yeah well i don't know i mean most things we believe are we're told by a fucked up culture sure, that's telling sure. us to you know not look at women's butts and right. not, sleep not enjoy well. sunsets and yeah. you know like um, but, uh, you know, like someone said, I forget who it was, who was like, you know, Hey, it's easier to believe in God cause I don't need to worry about death. And like, do I actually believe in God? I didn't, I don't know. No one knows, but I choose right. to live as if I do because it makes it easier. It, it's an interesting thing. I was just reading about a, a British super genius mathematician philosopher, um, Frank Bruni or something like that, or I forget his name. It was in the New Yorker, and he he talked about that. He was like, you know, an idea can can be considered in terms of its veracity, mm -hmm. right? Is it objectively true or not? But the main 
um, value of an idea is does it lead one to behavior that is a beneficial to oneself and other, or right. does it lead one to, to behavior destructive. that's destructive? Yeah. Right. I think that's a really interesting way to think, but I can't get away from the idea that, yeah, but something's true or it isn't, you know? Yeah, if from a perspective. You know, any given true thing is maybe true to you, you know, like, hey, it's true that I made a mistake uh, and killed those fish. Right. It's also true that that gives zero consolation to the fish. <laughs> right. They're just dead, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the truth is a funny thing. Especially now, yeah, we're in this weird zeitgeist where everything is in question. Things that you've accepted for a long time. But back to that that point about um, about the planet and life, yeah, and you know, the idea of eternity to me, you know, the idea that there would be a god who would like curate your soul hmm. is terrifying. Like, it's leg- legitimately gives me fear of death that there wouldn't be an end hmm. to, to my consciousness, at least. I like the idea of that not being prolonged indefinitely. I like the idea of it being something that can just move on or stop. Your consciousness. My consciousness is fine with me if it just cuts out when right. the lights go on. But like our, our planet as a system or as a thing that may shut down. I mean, our sun, so far as we can deduce from scientific, you know, and engineering and uh, got to just said like a Trump sentence. From the scientific, we can... <laughs> From the scientific, from the scientific point of view, and all the yeah. you know equations that we can come up with, it, that we assume that the sun will eventually die. Yeah, and in that case, we die. It happens to solar systems and yeah. galaxies all around the you know the universe. Yeah, hundreds of millions of years from yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, so it has to at some point. It has to expire. So. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's just a matter of when. Or it's going to be hit by an asteroid that'll fuck it up or a volcano. And it has been. It has been. We're not the first living thing to experience the death of the planet. And, and, well, okay, it has been, but the planet hasn't been, life on the planet hasn't been destroyed. Sure, sure. Not all of it. Not all of it. A lot of it. the. The asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs, I think it was like 80% of life forms or right. something went extinct. Right. Which is, you know, to the dinosaurs, life on the planet for the most part, and unless you're like a chicken or an alligator, in which right. case now you're, you know, delicious. Although even that's a funny way of thinking. I, I often think about that where people are like, you know, they'll say things like, uh, you know, we we humans, we've always found a way and we've survived. And it's like, well, who's we, man? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? Like, we've always found, like, no, we haven't. And Frank didn't find a way out of that, yeah. you know? There's an app for that. Don't worry. We'll find a way <laughs> yeah, to right. survive the universe. Yeah, well, that's the whole, like, techno-utopia thing. Like, oh, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. we always find a way. Like, no, we don't. The survivors and the descendants of the survivors are speaking here. But, I mean, there was a... Um, uh, genetic bottleneck i was it 15 16000 years ago maybe a little more than well definitely 70000 years ago which corresponds to the eruption of uh the toba volcano in sumatra where like human our human ancestors were reduced effectively to i forget the exact number but it was like a couple of hundred women wow so they can trace the the mitochondrial DNA, which only is passed from you know mother to daughter, mm-hmm. they can trace that back to the point where they're like, okay, there were only, you know, 
Of the women who are alive, anyway, only a few hundred of them reproduced. Whoa. So that's like, that's fuck, a, that's a lot of dead people. Because, yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, so we always find a way is such a problematic and, right. and self-congratulatory, <laughs> right. delusional way of saying yeah. things. Anyway, okay, so... <laughs> Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> we'll give you reason to think about the death of the planet. Yeah. Or yourself. But you, know. you had a good time. That's we had what, a that's great time. Important. And that, that's the whole idea. Whether you are dying, which you most certainly are, or that the planet is dying, you have an opportunity between the moment you're born right. and the moment you kick the shit bucket to have whatever experience you're going to have. Right. And it's not... Carpe fucking diem, people. Carpe diem or waste it. Which is a way of do, carpe diem. Yeah, do yeah. You know, whatever it is that you're going to do. I mean, not everyone gets... And I'm, I'm, we're hyper-aware of the opportunity that we have. Call it white privilege. Call it good luck. Call, call it whatever you want to call it. It's happening. And we're aware of it. We're, we try to be as conscious of it as is useful, you know, and, and be um, generous when it's possible, you know, kind for no reason, always, and try to be, you know a part of that um and that's that that's it you know that's i think what you were the point you were making is that our answer to that problem right of this you know this experiment the science project of being a person is to just yeah you get it you do your best with it and you hope in the end that the lights just turn off for me yeah you know but so we did survive alaska um paley got lost on a mountain at one point um mercifully we got him back uh what's your instagram handle uh, I think it's at Monkey Tooth. Is it at Monkey Tooth? So yeah. people who want to see this charming dog we're talking about, yeah, at you got to go. Yeah, there's some... Pele is a very special little being. He's he's like a little, somewhat grumpy old man, but but very enthusiastic in certain ways. Yeah. Like his ball is really important to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's got like a weird white mohawk. He does have a weird white. And how did he come to you into your life? He was our neighbor's dog. Right. And they were, um, man, it's actually kind of a strange story. It developed after um, we left. So they, they, you know, they had this dog that they had adopted from a a shelter. And um, they were worried that he was going to bite their grandchild. They had a grand little, little, little boy. Um, And he doesn't like children. (laughs) I could just stop there, but he doesn't like children touching his face. If the children are throwing the ball with him, he loves them. Mm -hmm. It was great. But, the, you know, children tend to grab a face. So they were worried about it. And they just didn't spend a lot of time with him. So he was always coming over to our house. He basically helped me not have, like, burst a blood vessel in my brain building the van by keeping me calm. Like, I would go throw the pine cone with him. Anyway, so uh, they said they had to surrender him, which was very weird language. Uh, and we tried to find a home for him. But, of course, yeah. he had found his own. He just moved in with us. He quit going home. Hmm. Like, wouldn't go home at night. He would just stay. He's a really smart dog. I, I like his vibe. He's yeah. he's just a little dude. He hangs out with the dudes. He's just he, he's not in the way. I mean, he right now is sleeping behind you. He's just laying there, just chilled the fuck out. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, he he just dropped his connection with these people because they were his they were his people. They fed him and took care of him. He just dropped it. Just quit. A month. After we left, he came with you to Alaska in the van. He came with us to yeah in the van, um, and we we left you know Northern California, the home that he'd known for the past however many years. The owner, his owner, had um, 
what's the thing that John McCain had the glioblastoma? Oh yeah. And died from it. Fuck. Totally uh was ill when he was when Pele was his his dog and it was kind of unknown until like the last minute like holy shit you have this thing and within a month or two he was gone and like Pele just so if Pele ever abandons me you know I'm hoping my shit smells your impending doom yeah yeah I don't know I I mean I don't know how much credit to give him for that I mean we were like super nice to him and played with him all the time and like he and I have bonded and and it really it's it's cool man I've never had that I've had dogs before that I loved and cherished, yeah. but this is a different quality of experience. Yeah, you the way you interact with him is really interesting. Like you have this very calming voice, and like we went to a uh, hardware store yesterday, and you took him. Like he goes everywhere. He goes you. everywhere, and he's yeah. super. Um, you can just tell he he knows he belongs. He's part yeah. of the group. Part he's, of the thing. he's always there, and he's so chill and like we're walking around in the hardware store and you had him on a leash because you had to it's and um but but you would just be like oh man no no like no get go over there and he's like okay and he's just go over there and it's it's like he understands english when you talk to him it's really interesting it does we've and we you know part of it is spending two years in a van with the guy right you know two and a half years just in constant contact with him you develop a, a communication. He communicates with me very effectively. Yeah. There's never any ambiguity what he needs or wants, which is cool. Like yeah. I, I don't know that I have that anywhere else in my life. There's always some <laughs> ambiguity. Yeah. You know, like people are, wait, did you mean that? Or yeah. Something? Yeah. There's none with him. But yeah, on our website actually, um, which I know the handle of, m m t p as in Monkey Tooth Podcast, mtp dot dog. Yeah. And which we got the dot dog handle before we had a dog. Oh, really? I just thought it was kind of funny, like a dot dog, you know? So, uh, but yeah, I've got a whole shitload of photos of Pele and our journey and all the places we've been, a lot of podcast guests. Pele's had a lot, was a lot of adventures. I mean, you mentioned he got lost on a mountain. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you tell that story, but like go down the list of things just briefly that have happened to him in the last two years. Well, before you and I met, he had been mauled by two pit bulls right in front of me and at our house like within inches of his life i mean they had him by the neck and the belly 80 pound pit bulls so how, how did you did you rescue him or yeah what? i was pu- pulling and punching on these dogs and my neighbor happened to be there and he jumped on one of their heads was it were they his dogs no no they were it was a sad scenario they were like fire refugees their the house that they lived in before burned down uh, so they were in our neighborhood and someone was just kind of keeping them in this oddball enclosure and they got out and uh, I I'd wrangled them together, you know, trying to get them home. And one of them got up in Pele's face, and he's an idiot. And instead of just, like, backing down, he's like, ah! And the dog just, like, nearly killed him. Uh-huh. And so when I went to stop that dog, the other dog bit him on the belly. Uh-huh. And we're tr- they were literally trying to tear uh-huh. him apart. Oh, fuck, man. And he's screaming bloody murder, and I'm pounding on this dog. I didn't even think about it. My knee was all fucked up already. I jumped down on the ground. If I had hit a human being that hard, I feel like it would have broken a rib or something. These dogs didn't even flinch. They never stopped until my neighbor jumped on one of them. Anyhow, he, so he survives that. Um, he's lost on the mountain in Alaska. He has been... Um, so, uh, lost for how long? Oh, like about 10 minutes of... And he was just looking at these crazy little uh, like ground, like, I don't know, voles or whatever. They, were. they just kept on popping up. And he's like, oh, look at that one, look at that one. We were at, we were well above the tree line, like hundreds and hundreds of feet above the tree line. 
on the crest of this this peak and when i finally found him i saw him at the tree line he'd run down the mountain so i'm screaming 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 for him and he can't hear me because it was windy and i saw him he was like frantic and somehow he looked up and saw me and just ran (laughs) straight up this mountain I, i was i had that like weird feeling like i'm gonna have to at some point drive away from this Right. Mountain without my dog. Like, yeah. how, like how am I ever going to find him? You know? And he's not going to last long in not Alaska. Not in Alaska, man. He yeah. would not have lasted long at all. I mean, we're lucky that he didn't get attacked by something just being that far from us. You know? But anyhow, he, he, he survives that. He's been, um, I mean, kicked by children. He's been uh, beaten up by a number of dogs. He's um, <laughs> bitten by a deadly poisonous rattlesnake in Utah. Yeah. He was in four days in the ICU. And it makes us sound like the worst caretakers of all time. And I'm not done with the list. Yeah, I don't There's think... still more shit. How much money did you spend saving him from that fucking snake bite? Amazingly, that um, that was remarkably affordable considering what happened. Right. Uh, it was under a thousand bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was I thought really... it was like pushing 10 grand or no, something. No, no. God, no. He We would have buried him. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a... Is there a number? Is there a hard limit on how much you would spend? I don't know. I don't have a figure in my mind. That's... You know? I, when I got cats mm-hmm. uh, years ago, when Kisilda and I decided we were going to get cats, yeah. I sat down with her and I said, we need to have a hard number. That's a good idea. Before we get to know these animals, because otherwise yeah. there is no number. Well, in the States, you know, the insurance, like the pet insurance works. But when you're out of the States, it doesn't. But that happened in Utah, and um, we just didn't need it. It was amazing. Like, they, he spent four days in an ICU, and all they can do is supportive care. It's not like they can, they're can they giving him antivenine or something like oh, that. Okay. They just kept him alive. And, like, oh. his liver was shutting down. I mean, it was the saddest goddamn thing I've ever seen. He got bit, of course, right in front of us. A rattlesnake? Rattlesnake. It's called a faded midget. Like, this really tiny. And when I said, describe the snake that he'd been bit by, they're like, huh. No, it probably wasn't that because dogs that get bit by that snake don't. Sh- they show up dead. They're DOA. It's like, I don't know. It's what it looked like, you know. Um, and his symptoms, you know, normally a, a snake gives like a necrotizing toxin. He was all nerve. Everything was nervous, uh, nervous failure, which is what that, that particular snake does. It doesn't right. do a necrotoxin. It's a nerve toxin. Yeah. He got a dry bite. Like this very, just the absolute uh, bare minimum of venom that the snake could inject in him just to get him to go the fuck off, you know. And, uh, yeah, he survived it. And it was just, it was like a Mormon guy and this really, really talented um, young vet. She was just barely out of school, maybe a year. Uh, and they, they knew what to do. This was in Moab? Moab, yeah. yeah. Um, we hung out with Tom, yeah. uh, who was very supportive of the whole thing. Shout out to Tom. Tom is a wonderful dude. He is awesome. Before man. I ever met Tom in person... Tom listens to the podcast on his FedEx drives yeah, through yeah. the desert. He grew up, I mean, we were talking earlier about the Kachina dolls that he's into. Yeah. He grew up like on the res, on yeah. the Navajo reservation. He's a white guy, but he was like mm-hmm. the only white kid in his school. Yeah. And he's just got this beautiful spirit. Beautiful. And um, he heard that I was coming to Moab. This was couple two three years ago i was with oliver and the the auto mechanic and cheryl friends of ours and um and uh yeah some other folks and we were all going to go camping in canyonlands and he just 
emailed me and he's like, Hey, I hear you're coming to Moab. Here's my address. I'm leaving the door open. Yeah. You know, I'll be at work all day, but you guys should stop by and take showers and you know, there's cold beer in the fridge and uh and like I've never met this guy. Yeah. And we we did. We stopped and we took showers and mm-hmm. uh we filled up our water tanks and um then he came out to the campsite that night and he had his pickup truck full of firewood. And he just like, Oh, I brought you some wood and like Yeah. You know, dumped a week's worth of firewood right there and it's just yeah, such he's a, a special dude. Such a good guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he took us on a, a a canoe trip, you know, or the kayaking trip down the river. I mean just yeah. awesome, awesome guy. Yeah. Uh I has also been on fire. Yeah, so we were in Chiapas and within an hour and a half he nearly drowned in a little eddy in this little <laughs> In a stream, fast-flowing stream, he jumped after a stick that someone had thrown in there. <laughs> nearly drowned. I, you know, I, I left down there and got him out, amazingly. Because he's a strong swimmer, but he's little. Yeah. He's fucking little. You know? yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we were in a uh, in this campground that had a really cool, like, common area. Yeah. It's all wood. This yeah. big fireplace. And all the wood was kind of damp because it's just, you know, a little bit rainy and moist there. So I'm trying to start this fire, and you have to take your time, man. It takes a minute to get a fire going with wet wood. And one of the guys there was uh, Argentinian, and he was very keen on getting this fucking fire going. So he starts throwing gasoline on it. And it was, you know, I got nervous. I was like, hey, man, you, maybe let's like move the can over a little bit. It's kind of close to the fire. Let's move the actual can of gasoline away from the fire. Well, on the very next throw of cup of gasoline on the fire, it exploded a little bit sooner than he thought it would and he recoiled and flung flaming gas directly into the can that I just asked him to move and suddenly there's flames shooting out of that thing and he panicked he just starts kicking the can trying to get it outside and there was a lady on fire a table was on fire Pele was on fire Tiffany that sweet wife of mine was the very first person out of the door she was gone I was like where's Tiff oh shit she's gone so I'm like trying to get the guy to stop kicking. I'm like, stop kicking the can. And then I tried to reach down to Pele and he's running full speed. So I realized like I'm doing nothing. Like I'm spinning in a circle. I'm not helping anyone. It's like, fuck it. Every man for himself. So I leave. The Argentinian guy quits kicking the can, finally makes it outside and it's raining. Um, and mercifully it was gasoline. So it went out quickly. Nothing, mm-hmm. There was hardly even any char marks on the furniture, which I was amazed by. <laughs> The, the lady's pants were singed. Pele lost some hair. He didn't actually get burned, which yeah. is incredible because, yeah. you know, he's got basically Brillo for yeah. a covering. Um, and I go back inside and the German guy has got the fire going. He never abandoned his post. Germans. He's like, why, why would you leave it? There's a f- we need the fire. You know, he tended the fucking fire throughout the whole uh, crazy thing. Yeah. But yeah, that was literally a three hour period of Pele's life where he nearly drowned and then nearly burned to death. <laughs> what about freezing? Has he has he been in danger of freezing to death as yet? No, he's got a he's got a really nice coat that makes him look like one of the flying monkeys from uh Wizard of Oz. Right. Right. But, but he, he doesn't have hair or fur on his body. It's all hair. Hmm. So like he does get cold, he'll shiver. Yeah. But he's he's smart. You know, he'll climb up on you or try to get in your coat or try to get underneath something. He's he knows he's a survivor he's sure. a survivor so you uh so you're in alaska then you turn around you come back down that was yeah. when you were in moab yeah yeah we went you know that that northern route from 
because there were fires, like really bad fire season yeah. through Canada and yeah. uh, even in, in uh, Montana and Wyoming. Um, th- then we went into Colorado and we dr- drove all over Colorado, Crestone. Uh, we went all the way to the sand dunes, you know, back up through Paonia. Uh, made a couple loops around Col- Colorado, stayed with friends in Boulder and Denver. And then, you know, Moab, uh, Utah is incredible. I yeah. mean, Zion. Yeah. You know, uh, even uh, what's the other one? Um, National Reef. Oh, oh yeah, right. God, that was a really cool spot. Yeah, Reef. Yeah, there's some. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's sort of not yeah. spoken about that not much because you hear about Zion. Really it's beautiful, like, oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Capital Reef. Capital Reef. Right. Um, right. And, and we connect, reconnected with people that we'd met in Alaska and Canada that were also on this journey. Met this Brazilian family who's been on the road. They, they it was a uh, a wife husband and their little little boy they were only planning on taking a two-year journey five years later it's a wife a husband a little girl a little boy and this little girl and they just had been on the road traveling and we loved them they're such cool beautiful people uh and we ended up hooking up with them in um in utah uh yeah then what we go to arizona uh grand canyon all that sort of stuff and then um you know we did have to spend a lot of money that we had not anticipated on spending uh just through Pele's various adventures. The van had some problems, so we were planning on going to stopping to work, coming back to California. And that's when you introduced me to Tao. Oh right, I met right. Tao, um, who then he was like, "Hey man, I like your van. I like your style. Would you come help me with the Bombay Beach Biennale? Like, I'd like to hire you to to help me build this, you know, this crazy art festival." Um, and in the process of doing that, our van, the transmission died on the van. And then I got introduced to Oliver through you, who's the greatest mechanic of all time. <laughs> of all time. <laughs> he really is. I mean, he saved our asses on that yeah. on that whole situation. Um, and we spent uh, like three and a half, four months back in California working. Uh, we came to Larkspur, where we are now. Um, and I spent five weeks in, in Bombay Beach with Tao and like that whole incredible scene of artists and musicians and really creative, talented people building this thing. Um, and then we hit the road again, went south, um, and went into Mexico through Baja, and spent six months in Mexico, which was just, I mean, we took classes, neither one of us could really speak Spanish, and now we're at least functional morons in Espanol, which is nice, um, and spent six months just traveling around, I mean, just ping-ponging back and forth across across central uh, and southern mexico you guys really like oaxaca right did really like oaxaca um uh we really liked i mean you know the state of mexico is really fascinating you know everything around it guanajuato like i met your buddy uh dan perraro you hooked us up oh right up in san San miguel Miguel. yeah Yeah. we had a great time with him we actually went back and saw him i listened to the podcast you did with him where it started raining in the middle of it yeah yeah that was really good it was fun man he's a really he's a special guy yes Uh, yeah very very creative and his art is just insane phenomenal you saw his paintings yes jesus christ yeah diego perraro is his his like um his handle for doing like his oil paintings because mm. you know if you don't know dan uh listener <laughs> uh bizarro comics has been his thing which is an amazing comic in itself because it's so funny and like very overdrawn really for a yeah a serial comic and but his oil painting is just fucking phenomenal and he's putting out he's about to put out a graphic novel called uh the 
peyote cowboy or something like that uh, and it's about like you know exploring psychedelics and all this interesting uh, stuff through his unique lens so yeah we hung out with him in san miguel and then spent a lot of time in uh oaxaca my mom came to visit um and then we did this huge loop around chiapas like did, on our way to um palenque like this big big beautiful loop through chiapas and we had your book uh civilized to death came out while we were on that that loop and it was very interesting to listen to that book being in that in the ruins the ruins of so many different cultures yeah and in modern ruins which i had a new appreciation for having spent time with tao and bombay beach right like to see you know your premise born out of the collapse of civilization and how all this shit but yeah, it was it was really cool to to take that that big circular route and see all these crazy ruins and you know d- dead cultures and cultures being reborn and you know the the whole Mayan thing which we had not you don't really see that until you get to you know northern Guatemala and southern Me- southern Mexico yeah which are the, I mean the most beautiful clothing and really cool lively culture you know? yeah. Um, yeah let's see then crazy. We, um, say something about your mother. You, you you mentioned that she came to join you. She she's did. an interesting character. She is a really cool character. Um, yeah, she's I actually had her on the podcast while she was there, um, and talked a lot about death. Death has been her life. Her 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 life's work is helping people die with dignity. She's a hospice nurse, palliative care oncology, and has dedicated herself to being of comfort and of service to the terminally ill. Um, yeah, she's, she's something else, man. And her take on it, you know, it's informed by religion cause she's Catholic, but it's also informed by just, you know, watching human beings, you know, watching the family have to see someone they love pass and, uh, and then seeing people without families and she's their only friend. And she, you know, she's got these big eyes and she's very sweet and a good listener and just, um, is not afraid of dying people. Which is a, it's a unique quality. I don't, I mean, you've, you've been around someone who's dying and there's a tendency to want to say a bunch of shit, hmm. you know, and it, to just like, you just want to talk about anything. You know, don't, people don't know Distract. what to say. Distract. Yeah. She doesn't do that. Yeah. She doesn't do that. It's like, you know, you're going to be a person to me until you're gone. I'm just going to treat you like a normal person and be, you know, you know, very cognizant of your pain and has an empathy for that pain. Like she's nearly died a couple of times in her life. Uh, she was in a really scary car accident and her thyroid failed on her when she was really young. So she's been close to it. And I think she got like a peek behind the veil. Hmm. It was like, oh, I, I know what that experience is kind of like to die. And I know what would have been great for me to have in those moments. So she's that person for strangers, you know, total strangers. And for family members, she helped her own mother die. She helped my stepfather's parents die in this very beautiful and like caring way. It's, yeah. And, and it was cool to have her down there with us because we're looking at these, these you know, cultures that have long gone and that are, you know, the, their descendants are now like, you know, selling you uh, mangoes in the parking lot. Um, yeah, it was really fascinating. So, yeah, sweet Janine, my mom, is, uh, she's a cool hip influence on Tiffany, like, you know, Tiffany's a nurse and a great nurse and really loves my mom. And I had actually hurt myself uh, in San Miguel, <laughs> like popped my ankle out of socket. It was all fucked up. 
So walking around Oaxaca, we even did some hikes, ill-advised. So it was like, there were some nights where I was like, man, can I just stay here and you guys go out? And they loved it. It was like mm-hmm. right in the middle of uh, the Galagetza. Are you know, are familiar with that? It's this huge, uh, just massive statewide celebration of indigenous cultures. Like mm-hmm. the, one of the biggest indigenous culture festivals in all of Mexico. Wow. And, uh, and, and it happens in Oaxaca. They built this huge arena just for that. These dancers come and they perform and do all that stuff. So my mom and Tiffany got to go see like, you know, Galagetza dances and be mm-hmm. a part of that thing, which was really cool. That they could, you know, kind of bond on their own level without me lugging around and, you know, asking questions. Because uh, my mom and I always end up talking about, like, heavy shit, you know, mm. like religion or all these things. So being with my mom and looking at these cool cultures that, you know, the ones that were existing and the ones who had passed along, you know, it made me ask her a lot of questions about her faith and that sort of stuff. Right. And not in, in any antagonistic way or, like trying to disprove or prove anything just to understand how she feels about that sort of stuff so you you're not catholic right but you were raised within a catholic environment i was uh when it came time to be confirmed i think you're like 16 when you decide that okay i'm gonna be you know i've been baptized but now i'm gonna take this further i was like mom i really don't want to do it i feel like i'd be lying and you know i knew it was hurtful to her because she was very you know, enthusiastic about us being Catholics as well, because it's been such a benefit to her life. But I just didn't, it didn't feel right to me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have um, any fully formed opinions. You know, I, I was just, I had a lot of questions. I still have just mostly questions, but um, at the time I, I just didn't want to do that, you know, and she was supportive of it. She was like, no, I, I get it. You know, don't do it if you don't feel it's right. Are your siblings in the same boat or? Yeah. Were Pretty much. I mean, I think one of my siblings was confirmed, but, you know, none of us were really, which it kind of breaks my heart a little bit for my mom, because I know she was very, you know, excited about having a Catholic Mm. family. And, Mm. but, you know, we've, I don't think any of us are particularly religious. Mm. Um, I'm certainly not, you know, I can appreciate a lot of the aspects of, of what religion is and how it has shaped culture. And we would be poorer in a lot of ways without it, you know, music and art and all those types of things. And even the way that we think, I think, has been shaped by religion. You know, it's like it was our first attempt at trying to answer questions. and So all that sort of thing, I think, has been good. But it didn't stick with me as a as a way to answer my own questions. You know, certainly it helped me ask a lot of them. Hmm. How would you describe yourself now as in terms of spirituality? Uh, you know, I'm a storytelling ape. You know, just a, I'm just a guy who doesn't know anything. You know, I... I I'm open to persuasion and I don't think um, I'm technically, I think an atheist because I don't believe in a God. Um, But I don't, I'm not certain that there isn't one. Mm. (laughs) So whatever that is, you know, I've, I've certainly felt things that are um, numinous and beyond what I could explain, but I don't know how much that is me just being like weirdly creative or if there is something else. Have you experienced anything, because you've traveled a lot, and in my experience, when you travel, you you open yourself up to, like, um, levels of of, uh, synchronicity, let's say, uh, or coincidence, if Mm -hmm. if that exists, um, beyond what you're open to just as a regular person going to work and coming home. Yeah. Um, have you experienced anything in your travels where you look at it and you say, this is objectively 
inexplicable. Not a feeling, right? right. But an actual like this can't ha- this can't have happened. This is incredible. Um, you know, I don't, I can't offhand. And it seems like that would be the sort of thing that would stick in your brain. Yeah, you know, right. I, I've certainly, I've had you know psychedelic experiences where that can't happen. You know, but uh, and it may not have happened. But um, I don't know about. Um, I certainly have had synchronicities and and like timing. I do feel like if there is a deity out there that does give a shit about how we are, it's been awfully good to me. If that's mm. what if, if if it is a deity that is indeed made my life possible. Thanks. This is fucking great. You know, having a pretty good time. Yeah, having a good time. But, um, yeah. I, I, you know, yeah, timing and synchronicity have been perplexing, but I wouldn't say, like, beyond, you know, right. beyond something I could explain. Statistical possibility. Right, right, right. I don't know how much of that is just my perception of it or, yeah. or my willingness to be um, awed by things. Because yeah. I think mean, really dumb things put me in awe, you know, things that are... <laughs> Like just seeing this plum tree and it's yeah. you know dropping fruit everywhere is just like holy fuck! It happens every year. <laughs> like it's not. It's yeah. but it, it you know. So have you or have you like fa- encountered things you could not explain? Yeah. 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 Like multiple times or. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I I've told. Uh, I think I've told both of these stories on the podcast on. Um, in the Toma series. Um, Is it your ayahuasca experience? Well, there was the ayahuasca thing, and then there was another experience in Mexico uh, involving guys that I had met in San Cristobal in, like, 83. Mm-hmm. And then I was in Mexico in 89 uh, doing a different uh, traveling from Texas to Guatemala oh, overland, just cool. like a nine-month, you know. Awesome. Um yeah, and I'm pretty sure I've told this story, but I was in Zacatecas, and uh, which is uh, north of Mexico City, I think, in the central highlands area. And um, it was Christmas, because I remember that I showed up there, and this really kind family were walking down the street, and they saw me with my backpack. And um, I remember that like, the, there were... There was a daughter who must have been 13 or 14 or something, and and the parents were talking to her and encouraging her to go and say something to me, right? And finally she crossed the street and she said in English, because, you know, it's like, you speak English, go talk to him. And uh, she said, are you looking for a hotel? And I said, yeah. And she said, you won't, there are no hotels because it's Christmas everyone comes here right. and like there's no there's no place to stay in the city and it was like 7 p.m. or something and she said but my parents said you can come to our house if you want and i was wow. like really like fuck and i didn't speak spanish at the time wow. and um yeah which is a something i'm kind of ashamed of i i traveled a lot in mexico before i could really speak spanish at all and you know the lost opportunity for interaction and and just it was yeah whatever um so i ended up going to their house and it was like a little one bedroom and they all slept in the living room and gave me the bed oh my god yeah it's on just, christmas on christmas 
And, you know, they, their family all came for dinner and they had all these parties. And I was just like sitting there like, the, you know, on display. Uh, Look what we found on the street. <laughs> we found this fucking idiot who thought he'd wander into Zacatecas at Christmas. Oh, God. And uh, so I ended up spending three days with them or something. Not in their bed. I right, eventually right. was like, ah, Please. let me sleep on this sofa. Yeah. Um, but I was I just left them. And it was very emotional, and I was walking down the street on the way to the bus station. I was going to get a bus to Guadalajara, and uh, I was walking down, and I saw someone, like, up half a block or so from me walking in the same direction, so I just saw his back. Yeah. But something about this guy, the way he moved, the way his back was or something, reminded me of a guy that I had met in San Cristobal in 1983, six years earlier, right? And I, he was teaching uh, Spanish. I, I did some Spanish classes with him for a while. Then things changed, and I didn't have any money, and he was like, well, what can you teach me? We'll just exchange knowledge. And so I ended up teaching him and his friends martial arts, or the, like basic kung fu stuff, and then they um, invited me to live with them on this hacienda outside of town. You've heard the story about how I taught martial arts yeah. to all these like really land tough reform. Yeah, yeah. land reform guys who then it turns out were actually smuggling weapons into Guatemala Whoa. for the rebels. The Zapatistas. Who were, these were like pre-Zapatistas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that's a whole story yeah, of yeah. what of that. That was my first trip outside of the U.S. <laughs> I was in college at the time, and right. I scammed the college into believing I was on campus, but I was actually in Mexico Incredible. in San Cristobal. Incredible. So I ended up doing. I mean, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Sure. Anyway, so now six years later, I've been. You know, graduated, been to Alaska, worked in New York, traveled to Asia, you know, been in Asia for right. two or three years, back to New York, worked there again, quit that job. Now I'm traveling again in Mexico. And something about this guy, his back reminds me of this guy, Angel, that I knew had known six years earlier. So I thought, well, it's not Angel, obviously. I'm like 2,000 miles away and there are, you know, 80 million people or whatever it is in Mexico. Um but I will, um, I'm curious, so I'm just going to walk fast mm -hmm. and then get past him and then sort of like casually look back as if I'm, you know, looking at my watch or a map or, you know, like if you're going to check out a woman, but you don't want her to know you're checking her out, you don't make her uncomfortable, objectify her. Object, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm cruising along and I get even with this person and I'm walking past him. And he turns to me and he says in English, are you enjoying Mexico? And I turn and look at him and it's fucking Angel. It's the dude. And so I said, Angel. And he's like, uh, he stops and he's with these two other guys and they've got, they're carrying these, these like um, leather bags. And he says, uh, he looks shocked and scared. And he says, how do you know my name? And I said, I thought he recognized me. Oh, shit. He, he didn't just... recognize me. He was just practicing English with some foreigner, right? Wow. So I say, oh, I'm, I'm Chris. I knew you in San Cristobal, uh, you know, six years ago. And then this other guy who's with him, it turns out his name's Rafael, and he had also been in San Cristobal. And he was a good friend of Angel's. And uh, then Rafael was like, El gente sia. 
the CIA agent yeah. because that was their nickname for me, which I didn't know because yeah. I was like teaching yeah. them, you know, how to, you know, fend off a machete attack or whatever. And uh, so then they're like, "El gente, sí, joder, tío, blah blah blah," like. And and they're like, dude, like, because now I had a mustache, right? And when I had met them, I was like twenty, right? And uh, now I was twenty six. I had a mustache. I'd been all over the world. And Angel's like, oh, you're a man. You're a man. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> so they say, well, where are you going? What are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm on my way to the bus station. I'm going to Guadalajara. And they're like, no, no, dude, you can't go to Guadalajara. You need to come with us. I was like, well, but they're like, no, no, believe me, we will explain. You need to come with us, right? So I go with them, and they go to this pension where they've they've got a room. We go into the room, they close the door, they lock the door, and they take these bags and they empty them on the bed. They're full of peyote buttons. Holy shit! They've just come down from the desert yeah. where they've been three or four days in the desert gathering peyote oh buttons, God. and they said to me like. Uh, you know, Payote is el maestro. It's Payote is the teacher, yeah. and the teacher has chosen you. Yeah, you're, you're like, supposed to be here. You can't go anywhere. You need to do this. This is too extraordinary. Yeah, you know. And uh, yeah, so that's the I stayed there that night. That's the only time I've ever done Payote. The only time I ever will do Payote. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that that experience, you know, there was a similar thing that happened in Brazil with, around ayahuasca, but it's like I've had these experiences around um, a shift in consciousness, but not when my consciousness was shifted, was shifted yeah. right? It's as if there's like a like a sonic wave that comes in front of the train, you know yeah, what I mean? There, right. There's something preceding it. Yeah. And I didn't know I was going to be taking peyote that night. I had, you know, I would have told you zero possibility that I'm taking peyote tonight. Yes. I'm getting yes. on a bus. I'm going to Guadalajara. Like, yeah. But there it was, you know. So I look at that. Now, some people could look at that and say, oh, that's a coincidence. But I look at that and I say, how is that a coincidence? How is it possible? Yeah. The odds against it. Just strictly mathematically speaking, the odds against it are so great as to discourage you from considering it coincidental. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and it's not just a coincidence. It's not just I ran into this guy that I had met years earlier. Yeah. You know, like you were in Mexico recently, you ran into a friend that you had met at Tao's place. Like, that shit happens. It happens, Especially yeah. in traveling, because we tend to go to the same places. Right. Like-minded people go to the like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're on the gringo trail, you, yes. you run into the same people. Yeah. Um. But first of all, they're not gringos, so you know it's that's different. And secondly, um, the peyote. Yeah. Right. Like why that changes things. It changes it everything. Change thing. It's not just running into someone. It's running into someone in a deeply meaningful so way. We, you know, we we talked a little bit about like aliens and deities. Uh, you know, we're on a planet full of things that have been evolving just as long, if not longer than we have in their current forms. You know, the, why does it have to be an alien from another world if we don't understand it Dude. and it's coming to dissect a cow or look at your asshole or whatever? It doesn't have to be an alien from another world. It could be something here we don't know how to perceive. 
that, that, yeah. that, that peyote and ayahuasca can communicate with us in a way in a yeah. language we don't know we have exactly you know that there there's these other things at work that don't necessarily have to be god or an right. alien right or it could just be the very natural things that we're in i mean we're in a soup at this moment yeah. the atoms that are being exchanged between us the the way that it, it interacts with your blood and your lungs. I mean, there's so much happening that it's very likely that these ancient beings that are with us on the planet would know how to arrange these things. You know? <laughs> that they would know and that, that it's beyond maybe our, our, our capacity to intellectualize, but it's not beyond our capacity to wonder how did this happen. <laughs> to perceive. If we can perceive it yeah. and we can question it and we can be a part of it. And I think that's such a huge... If there's any given thing I think that's going to make human beings fall into harmony on this planet and not destroy it, it's to, to be able to communicate with the other species that occupy it and not feel that we're on the top of the heap and that everything else is some subservient tool for us to manipulate for our own survival, that we are a part of that system. Um, so that, that to me, that, that speaks of like that other exchange that other communication of right. you know these other beings that we occupy the same planet you know well and what you're talking about sounds you know from a western perspective it can sound very you know oh are you talking about quantum physics you know are you talking about like a very very advanced kind of more you and i were talking earlier about morphic resonance this yeah. um idea that uh rupert, rupert sheldrake Kendrick. has talked about um but from another perspective, what you're expressing is a very fundamental hunter-gatherer understanding of the world, right? right? They were embedded in these systems of, yeah. uh, of cyclical, you know, what you were saying earlier about life yeah. and death and decay and, and rebirth and um, life eating life. Yes. We're part of that. We eat, we get eaten. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's this whole um, very ex deep acceptance of being embedded within all these systems and hunter-gatherer perspectives that you know the bible says no no you're separate you're different you're you're half angel you're that not part of that god created man right and man was given dominion over, over the, the animals the beasts and all that yeah and it's you know that's a that's a if you're trying to convince people of a thing that's a very powerful tool. You're you're chosen. You're chosen. You're, like, you're better. Yeah. Looking at all those cultures in uh in Mexico uh and and in Guatemala that you know had these very strong beliefs and they would build these amazing temples and all this stuff to really get that sell that narrative, you know. And then the the Europeans showed up and they're like you don't you don't need to sacrifice anybody to our god. Our god sacrificed his guy for you. It flips that whole thing on its head. Like and and you may or may not get any help in this life, you know, from believing in Jesus. It may or may not help you. You may suffer horribly, but when you die, oh, and by the way, there's an afterlife that lasts for fucking ever. Right. Uh, if you don't believe in him, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like that story was so frightening and so compelling yeah. and so different than the story that they'd been told that you need to sacrifice for now. You need mm -hmm. your daughter, your young daughter who you love. She can talk to the rain god and get us some rain. We're going to have to kill her. Like that's a, you know, and they, they did. They sacrificed many, many children, many people. And then when Europeans showed up and said, no, 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 our guy, <laughs> our god sacrificed his son for you. And it puts man at this other thing. Like animism, forget it. Forget animals. Forget animistic shit. 
man is the king of shit mountain. Yeah. And, you know, everybody else can just deal with it. Right. And you can have everlasting life. And then you have everlasting life. It's not here. You can't see it, but trust me, it's there. Trust me. What a story. Yeah. You know, and it's always the best story that wins. Yeah. So I think right now we're in the midst of trying to deal with the next set of stories that wins. And it's, I hope it's the animals. I hope it's the the insects and the plants. Um, I tend to think about, you know, we're in the animal's atmosphere. Like we're in, we're of that. We are that. We're just another version of the peyote button or the mushroom or the fungus in your bathroom. You know, like we're just another um, representation of that or a manifestation of that very same shit. So it's I, I, I think um another sort of metaphorical plane to, to think about those things is is like um a wave moving through the water. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that we're necessarily a material thing or a manifestation yeah. of That's interesting. Of yeah. life in that sense. We're we're almost something that moves through life. Yeah. Consciousness itself is is not water, it's it's the wave in the water. It's the energy know? being yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because the you know, when the wave's gone, uh, you you're looking at a dead body like that's a dead body. Right. There's nothing. It 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 yeah doesn't look anything like a living thing. You know, it it's. Uh, I'm sure your mother has experienced that many times. Seeing yeah. the life go out of a body, it's one of the most. Um, I haven't been around a lot of human beings who died i mean i have but i mean not when they died i haven't witnessed the death like my father died i wasn't there um yeah i saw him the day before and then i saw his body an hour after but i wasn't there when he died um but i was on a friend's boat in the sea of cortez and they had a line they were trawling behind the the yacht and they caught uh what's it called uh a uh uh shit it's like a dolphin i think that weird fish that looks like a person like the uh no i love a car yeah. alarm <laughs> i'm going to pause this all right we're back the car alarm seemed to have stopped at least for a moment um dorado is dorado. the the, the yeah. fish and um it was a big fish it was like 2 feet long or something and they pulled it out and it was hanging by the the you know the the line and it was sort of flopping around a little bit and it was rippling it was like an opal there yes. were every color green yeah. blue red purple every color was just like waves of color up and down its body it was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen it was just in the sunlight it was so beautiful and they had this little like baseball bat thing and they hit it in the head bang 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 and you just saw the color just went zoop, gone wow all the colors were gone and it was just a silver fish hmm. yeah. it, it was amazing it it was it, you know it made me think about people who see someone die and they 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 talk about how you feel yeah. the spirit leave the room and like I saw that in that fish, it was like, oh my god! And then later, it's like, oh, fish tacos, and it was like, uh, this we're eating a miracle. Where we just destroyed yeah. this incredible. It's like burning a fucking Rembrandt 
in in your fireplace to, to keep your heat hands up the warm. Room. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. incredible. I, you know, my sister when when my father died, he was in the ICU for like nine days, and the last day that he was technically alive, like he he was intubated the whole time. I never heard him speak again. And we went into the room. We got these little brief visiting hours, and um, I don't know what made her do it, but she's like, "Come look at this." I go over, and she's like, "Just." peeled back his eye and he's laying there totally out of it you know and she opened up his eye we looked into it she's like there's nobody home like he was technically alive you know his heart was still kind of weirdly beating and Mm. and he died like i mean maybe an hour later but when we looked into that i'd never seen an eye that looked like that it's certainly one that i'd seen my whole life you know yeah and we looked into that eye i was like whoa there's some other thing happening here like this body is still kicking but there ain't nobody home yeah our our judgment of what counts as being alive and not is very problematic you know yeah like someone who's got severe alzheimer's and doesn't know who you are doesn't know who anyone is doesn't recognize anyone from their life Mm. doesn't know their own name in what sense is that person alive right you know they're disconnected from their life it's those colors rippling wildly through their skin, you know, through their consciousness. It's just like yeah. a ripple of old information just right. fluttering back right. and forth until right. the life gets shut off. Yeah. Crazy. Listen, I need to, to yeah, we both take off. You, you got work to do. I, I you know, there's so much I, I this off the best podcasts are like this where, you know, leave them wanting more, Chris, leave me one more. <laughs> I, there are so many things I want to talk about. We, you know, your trip is going to continue yeah. in a couple of months. You're, you've left your van in Costa Rica. Yeah. You guys are going to fly back down, get in the van, continue to Colombia and point South. Yeah. Um, you're going to be traveling the next few years. The podcast yeah. continues. continues. I guess we're going to co-release this. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be um, awesome. I also want to talk to you about Eric, uh, the oh, guy yeah. who owns this house that we're sitting in. Yes who's an extraordinary dude who's got a website that is going up that's full of incredible and he's a music producer in the 60s and 70s he made a fortune i think we can say judging by this beautiful property we're sitting on he's a super smart guy anthropologist he's traveled all over the world collects all sorts of interesting art and i mean he's just Thank, thanks to you, he has agreed to be in our podcast. I've oh, been, has he? I've been asking oh, him. Oh, no kidding. He was one of the very first people I wanted to have on. Yeah, And he was, you know, just reticent to do it. He's like, you know, I don't have any. He's like, what am I going to talk about? Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, being uh, crazily humble or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, allaboutEric.com is coming out soon. It, E-R-I-K. Uh, dot com. So it'll it, it'll probably be out by yeah, the time this posts. Out. Right. Because uh, um, it's coming like a week from now or something. It's going to be. It, it, I've, I've I've watched the whole thing. He's been working on it for six years. I've mm-hmm. watched the whole thing mature and turn into this thing. And it is the most, it's like the modern biography. I've never seen anything right. quite like it because it yeah. combines, you know, it's movies. It's uh, it's a book. And, and you can actually read like five or six full colored, incredible books of these beautiful images of like shamanic textiles that are thousands of years old that he owned and then donated. I mean, just like crazy stuff that you would mm. never... Like, uh, you know, prehistorical stuff, these kimonos from Japan that some of them were like propaganda pieces and mm. some of them are talking about death and sex and all this. And he just had these collections that yeah. he, he shares. He's just, and it's free. 
you can look at all different. Anyway, yeah. All about Eric. Yeah, we I met him the other night. We spent a few hours drinking wine and and telling stories. Yeah. And he's an amazing guy. Very. I, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Monkey Tooth Podcast is your podcast. I highly recommend it. Uh, what else are we doing? Your webpage, mtp.dog. Dot dog, yeah. Pele, the adventures Pele. of Pele continue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dog with more than nine lives. Yeah. Tiffany keeps nursing. She's helping people as we speak. You guys are in the on. States racking up some money and yeah. you're going to continue the journey this fall. So, inshallah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, inshallah or ojalá. Ojalá. In, in yeah, Spain, yeah. they exactly. say, yeah, if, if Allah. Wills or whatever yeah. it, it right? All right, thank you, Andrew. This is great. Thanks, man. Okay, mom. Uh, tell people what they can order from the garage. Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts: "Sex at Dawn," "Civilized to Death," "Vanthropology," "Tangentially Speaking," "Paleo Modern," and "Talking Out of My Ass." <laughs> She didn't like saying that last one. Then we now have some new things added. We've got beer cozies or koozies or whatever they're called. Oh, civilized to death. They're all civilized to death. We have stickers and car decals, right? Yes. Okay. There you have it. That's Julie, my mom. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say It's a big deal If you want to be free Say what you want to feel Spend the night with me I'm gonna take you up in my arms And if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms 
would dance into the ground.